Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on the program, Diana Perkoff-Roth. She's an economist, professor at George Washington University, uh, fellow at the Heritage Foundation, um, senior uh, policy official in the Trump White House, uh, served a lot of different roles, uh, roles understands economics, really in a very re- real politics, real economic sort of way, uh, which I think is so crucial in a world that is so pie in the sky and often very romantic. And so, uh, Diana, always love having you on. You can always learn more about Diana. We'll have her give her website here in just a moment, but also at uh, heritage.org. Diana, uh, how do people also go to your direct website? Because you're involved in a lot even beyond Heritage. Oh, everything's on my website. It's www.dianafr.com. Yep, check it out. And uh, one of the many things she's involved in is uh, is writing. She has a syndicated column, and uh, she writes for multiple publications, including uh, Forbes and National Review. Wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, recent article in National Review that uh, talks about the continued struggle where uh, China, oddly, uh, plays this game as Mr. Good Guy when it comes to electric vehicle vehicles and cutting edge and and um, uh, me. Meanwhile, the way they, they fuel that industry is through the dirtiest of coal. And uh, they make these assurances that they're going to be good players and they're going to help uh, pursue the same carbon goals as the West, and then they'll turn around and say, hey, not so fast. It's very interesting to watch. Frankly, uh, energy and economic infrastructure, I think, is impossible to keep up with the West when it comes to uh, the effort towards uh, fighting climate change. It's laughable. And what's most laughable is that the West, and particularly this administration, uh, acquiesces and pretends, oh, no, China can do this. You're absolutely right, Kevin. And what's amazing is that China has just walked away from the Paris Accords that it signed, the Paris Agreement that it signed in 2015, where it agreed to peak its emissions in 2030. In other words, after 2030, reduce emissions. Well, coincidentally or not, when John Kerry, America's climate envoy, was visiting, uh, President Xi gave a speech and said that it would not be bound to Western timetables for reducing emissions. China would not be bound to Western timetables, that's the Paris Agreement, for reducing emissions, and they were not going to peak after 2030, as they had originally said. Yeah, which you sit there in the West, and you've got so many countries. The U.S. is not the only ones. We're just particularly interested in China. It's really bizarre. Um, that are, are sitting there going, yes, we want to do more with you, and uh, really fueling their EV industry, while we have our own that I think is vibrant and important, not to mention uh, fossil fuel industry that still needs to be fostered. We're, we live in a fantasy world around EV. I'm all for electric vehicles, and and I think that uh, you know we've we're, we've made a good transition. Uh, but the reality is is that we have electric power grid failures in this country with the amount of EV and other electric uh, uses already. There's a long road before we can be fully electric. There certainly is, and plus, the Environmental Protection Agency has put out another rule, a power plant rule, 
that would require power plants to sequester 90% of their carbon emissions or else close down by 2040. So if power plants can do this, and this has never been done on such a large scale, this would raise the price of electricity dramatically. And if the power plants can't do this, then they would have to close down, which would also raise the price of electricity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, and that makes... That makes China's advantage even greater because China doesn't care about these regulations. It's building more coal-fired power plants every week. It's certainly not worrying about sequestering their carbon emissions. So that gives China a huge advantage. It means that if we make electricity more expensive, our manufacturing goes to China. China gains. That's more Chinese jobs, bigger Chinese GDP, fewer American jobs, a lower American GDP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really like a facade. Uh, the, the way you know China being this this great pusher of EVs and, and being treated like the uh, cutting edge uh, country when it comes to this, while behind the curtain you've got some of the worst polluting going on in the entire world. It, it, it's like it's so transparent, yet uh, for somehow uh, it's largely ignored. That the fact they walked away from the accords. You know, should be headline news. We don't see very much of that. You know, and something that's also very interesting as I hear you talk is that the automobile industry, if you remember under, under Trump's administration, you were there, the automobile, you know, he wanted to really, really change the rules when it came to, um, uh, when it came to fossil fuels and their usage in the automobile industry, much more so, much more aggressive than in the, even the automobile industry. And they're like, no, we don't want to go that far, no, you know, in terms of uh, going back to some policies that he believed worked and, and, and frankly, maybe showing maybe where we should be looking at anyway um, and it's interesting now the automobile industry is like this this 2030 stuff this is pure fantasy you know and this is the same automobile industry that that kind of had checks against Trump's aggressiveness when it came to uh, going back to uh, greater dependence on fossil fuels it's fascinating when you watch this it, it really is Kevin and you can also see that more EVs are sitting on the lots, according to Cox Automotive. These cars are more expensive. They're inconvenient. They don't work in cold climates or very hot climates, and they give China an advantage. And there are many people who like EVs, and I'm fully supportive of those people who like them to be able to buy them. These are generally people who commute short distances to work and who can charge the cars in their garages overnight. But for the rest of us who don't have home chargers in our garages, who have to drive a long way, who maybe have a whole lot of kids who get impatient waiting 45 minutes at a charging station. We prefer other kinds of vehicles, and we should yeah. be allowed to buy them. Absolutely, no question about it. So uh, talk about what do you see unha- you know, happening next. Uh, this, this Chinese government, and by the way, I, I, I'm sickened by the conservatives' infatuation with the Russians. I am equally sick of uh, the blind eye that the, uh, the, the left seems to have towards China. These are both incredibly nefarious players in whatever fields <laughs> they're playing in and uh, should be kept carefully washed and held accountable. I'm not, I just don't see that happening with this administration. Right. Everything this administration is doing is pushing our jobs and manufacturing over to China 
making China stronger and America weaker. And you even have Sean Fain, the head of the United Auto Workers, trying to take a stand against EVs because it's going to cost members jobs making the gasoline-powered vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see happening, you know, in light of reality, whatever, <laughs> whatever is driving the current reality, which seems very uh, fantastic in terms of uh, thinking? Uh, what do you think, uh, what do you see happening? News or crystal ball, if you will. I see it as being like Solyndra. This is the biggest bubble since Dutch Tulip. Americans are not going to want to purchase 60% of electric vehicles as new vehicles in 2030, the way the Environmental Protection Agency wants them. So all these billions of dollars that these companies are spending for battery plants and for EV factories, I think these are going to be wasted, just like the Solyndra battery plant during the Obama administration, where President Obama made such a big deal about it. Uh, that went bankrupt. I think these other groups, these other factories are also going to be bankrupt because Americans like buying cars with some gasoline power. They like some hybrids, but most of them like some gasoline power in addition to an electric engine and a battery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Solyndra is a very good example, and, and frankly, it's the corruption of government and quoted capitalism is what fuels Solyndra. Uh, cho choosing, and I'm using air quotes, the problem with radio is air quotes don't always come across, but, you know, choosing winners and losers, well, in that, in that case, they uh, intended to choose a winner that ended up being a massive loser, and it's the worst, one of the worst-case examples of crony capitalism unchecked. And, uh, yeah, it's very interesting to watch. And, and I, I continue to be, look at the, at the Democratic Party, uh, you know, and, and a party that uh, I, I was uh, uh, not a fan of old-school liberals of the George McGovern or Hubert Humphrey uh, variety, but those guys are rock stars compared to the elitists that drive the Democratic Party today. This is a party that is openly hostile to average working Americans and uh, really undermine the idea of work ethic, which is the back, back you know, really the backbone of this country. Uh, it's bizarre to watch. It really is, Kevin. And the problem with the government picking winners or losers is that when they pick a loser, the taxpayer pays. So if there's a company that doesn't have government backing and it doesn't work out, then its investors pay. But when the government picks a so-called winner and it turns out to be a loser, then it's all of us that pay. And GM, Ford, Stellantis, they're probably waiting to get bailed out when this EV venture fails. Notice that the big car company that's not going along with the EV drive is Toyota. They say, surprisingly, they're going to continue to make whatever kind of cars their customers want to buy. They're not committing to going all electric by 2035. Why is that? They know the federal government isn't going to bail out a foreign car company. They might bail out Ford, GM, Stellantis. They're not going to bail out Toyota. So Toyota has to behave in a way that makes financial sense. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting close to half enough to uh, wrap it up. Uh, always love having Diana Fergoth-Roth uh, with us here on the program. As we wrap it up, final thoughts and some takeaways. And by the way, I'll have a link to the article that, uh, that we're referring to here in National Review over at priceofbusiness.com. Wrap it up for us. Well, if there's one book that your listeners should read this summer, it's Game Changer. It's the autobiography of Harold Hamm, 
a rags-to-riches story about the development of the oil industry and the importance of energy independence. So I would recommend that for beach reading or mountain reading or whenever our listeners go on vacation. There you go. That's an interesting idea. I uh, sounds like an interesting read it as well. Uh, always love having you on. Thanks so much for being with us. It's great to be with you, Kevin. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, we, you're you know on every month and uh, a personal favorite and a show favorite. Thank you. I'm Kevin Price. You're listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. Stay tuned for more after this.